Welcome to the Better the Pond podcast. In each episode, Warren Berry, CEO and founder of Instinctive Solutions, talks to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. We'll discover what makes each guest a bit of an odd duck and how they continue to better the pond around us. The migration starts right now with our host, Warren Berry. Hello, everyone, and I want to welcome you to another episode of the Better the Pond podcast, where we talk to amazing people doing incredible things that lead the charge of generosity. My name is Warren Berry, and I'm your host and the founder of Instinctive Solutions, where we believe that everyone is an odd duck, but that's what makes them awesome. Now, today, our guest is Gare Maxwell. Gare is an international speaker and author of the book, Nuts, Bolts, and a Few Loose Screws. He was the Tech Canada Speaker of the Year and is now presently writing his second book, Big Little Legends, where he talks about how everyday leaders build irresistible brands. Now, Gare was once legendary in the broadcasting field, and in one day, everything changed. Now, that launched him into the exciting world of business, leadership, and branding. Although he shamelessly was plugging his favorite NHL team, I can still call him a friend, a mentor, and the legend. Let's hear what Gare is doing to better the pond. Please welcome Gare Maxwell. Gare Maxwell, I want to thank you so much for being my guest on the Better the Pond podcast. It is so great to have you. I am, I am honored, my friend. Well, it's, it's great to be here, Warren, and, and so timely since the best ponds in the world, if you really stop and think about it, the best ponds in the world in the month of August are frozen. Thank goodness the National Hockey League is back <laughs> that we can actually watch some playoff hockey. Don't, don't you think? Don't, doesn't everyone watching this across Canada and throughout the world agree the best ponds are frozen right now? The best ponds are frozen. And, yeah, we're getting back in, into hockey. Like, yeah, and all kidding aside, Warren, I, I do think it, it's symbolic in many respects, especially for Canadians. But I think it's symbolic for anyone that, hey, at least this is a little bit of normalcy. So <laughs> flop on the couch and watch something uh, other than reruns or, 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 or Netflix or, or, or to see the competitive spirit alive again. So uh, I, I do believe that... Uh, the return of, of, of uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs, I, I think, helps move us forward, even if you're not a hockey fan. Yeah, but I agree too, Gary. There's, a, there's some normalcy that comes, uh, that comes into this. I was watching a little bit of baseball yesterday, now hockey. Mm. And so it's getting some, some life back into to our lives again. Yeah. Uh, and something, something to start to look forward to instead of the, the, uh, the day-to-day, I think, which a lot of people have been stuck in. Yeah, it's, it's Groundhog Day, Warren. Yeah. Over and over and over again, but but I must say, since COVID nineteen hit, I think, I think that it's um, you know, because we all know where we were when basically the world, the sky fell in back in March, right? And yeah. and we know the massive amount of economic upheaval, social upheaval, things have happened, but through it all, I think there's, I'm left with, I am left with with a lot of hope for the future. But I've got a pet peeve I got to share with you, uh, and and maybe all your viewers can relate to this. Just a bit of a pet peeve that's really accelerated. And now that we're into the Stanley Cup playoffs, I don't know about you, Warren. I can't stand these people out there 
who just shamelessly, uh, you know, promote their favorite hockey teams like nobody's business. You see, as I reflect on, on, on how this is all going to play out coast to coast and around the world, I, I think more than ever we've understood as a society the need for some objective reporting and some objective realities and we can't just you know allow ourselves to be swayed willy-nilly by our allegiances to uh, great hockey franchises <laughs> I, uh, like the 1989 <clears throat> Stanley Cup champions but continue but it's shameless Gary shameless and you know have you ever heard of that? Uh, you might you might have heard of them. They were, they were a great hockey team, um, the Toronto Maple Leafs. Have you? Never mind. Anyway, let's move on. Let's I move never on. forgot that WestJet captain when we were flying in. This is a few years ago, but you just you just sparked it. The the WestJet captain uh, on the approach to Toronto. You know, we're descending to twenty thousand feet and approaching, and soon we'll be on the ground in thirty minutes in Toronto, the home of the nineteen sixty seven Stanley Cup champions, and the whole plane <laughs> just erupted in laughter. No, we got to have some fun through this, Warren. It's been a tough. It's been tough sledding for, for you know, since mid-March, and, and, and why not? Like, why, why? And I think that's the spirit of this whole Better the Pond cast, right? It's we got to, you know, find a way to rediscover what's good and what's, what's right and what can be celebrated in this world. So kudos to you, Warren, for putting all this together. Well, thank you, Garen. Um, from, the, from the wise, wise words of a, of a man by the name of Gary Maxwell, it, uh, as he says, brighten the feed. The more we got separated, the more we felt the need to come together. And that's why I, I do think, um, you know, conversations like these and sharing them on, on all the different platforms, you know, that the Warren Berry message that uh, needs to be heard uh, is just, that, that's a wonderful thing we have. And I, I, I hope people appreciate that, that, you know, someone that you and I don't know could be watching right now for all we know, Warren, and just really enjoying it. And hopefully today, Gare, is that people will, uh, listening, uh, when this gets released, will, will want to sit and appreciate and get to know Gare Maxwell. Well, I mean, as they say back in Bull Durham, the good Lord willing. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to really in there, Gare. Um, uh, I'm going to, we're going to, uh, I want to, yeah, I hope you put the Warren, I hope you get this interview on the rails somehow. <laughs> I hope so. I don't know if it's an interview or a conversation, but somehow it's, Warren, I'm, I'm counting on you to steer the ship. Cause if, it, if you let me go, we can go in a lot of different oh, places. Oh, I know Gare. Oh, I know. Um, but, uh, you know, I wanted to, uh, sort of, you know, put a little history behind this and, uh, mm. we met what, three years ago through three or uh, four years ago. Through, yeah. Through tech Canada. Yep, and uh, you are a, a Tech Canada speaker. You uh, you are for Vistage International. You are world renowned, Gary Maxwell. And um, I must say that I have to uh, you know to uh, just to put it out there. I want to you know truly uh, thank you as as being a mentor of mine. And you know honestly, if it wasn't for you, Gare, uh we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I I, I want to thank you for that. You have you have stretched. You're me. too kind. Well, but it's true. I only say it because it's true, Gear. You're too kind. Uh, listen, it's it, it's been an interesting ride. Uh, I, I I remember actually uh, 
how we met and why we met. And it was what, what was, what was it more than a year before we actually met in person? Something like that. Yeah, probably. I, I think it was, yeah, Could it have was been two years, two years. Yeah. Maybe two years before we actually met in person, uh, had a bite to eat, press the flesh and all that thing. But I think that's also symptomatic of, of the wonderful world that you and I inhabit right now. I mean, again, people could be watching this and somehow, make an online connection with you and they they might have the uh, the joy and the thrill of meeting you in person uh, maybe a year two three years down the road but that's how we're all coming together now absolutely six feet of separation i want to i want to know your backstory so you know what took you from being a gosling okay to leaving so the we're going to work that metaphor right we're going to work the metaphor you were gosling then you you left the nest Yes. Um, and then it, you know, here we are today. So right. what's so, your backstory? Yeah, well, very quickly, because I'm from the East Coast. I'm born and raised East Coast, uh, but I'm the kid from the Maritimes who left at an early age, went out West back then in the early 80s to seek one's fortune in the world of radio and television broadcasting. So I worked in markets like Red Deer and Calgary, Alberta. In fact, in Red Deer, I read the news and a guy named Ron McLean played the records on 850 CKRD, Central Alberta's News Voice, okay? And, and so um, I went back to my hometown and, and basically had the 20-year broadcasting career, radio, TV. I was a newscaster. I was a sportscaster. I had this high-profile gig, and everything changed May 21st, 1999. I got this nasty note, Warren, okay? It was, it was only two sentences but it was on company letterhead. And in summary, it said, you're terminated, you're done. Right now they call it what, furloughed. <laughs> furloughed is, is so much better, isn't it? I got a friend of mine, great friend of mine, he got furloughed. Oh, that's nothing, I got fired, man. <laughs> I got blown out the door, you only got furloughed. Yeah, that's nothing, right? That's right, that's, all, that's a gift. Oh, there's no, there's no tragedy there, but, um, but okay, you can laugh now, 20 years later, 21 years later, but, uh, but it was a surreal, bad movie. And what happened was read the news on CFQM radio, uh, news, weather sports and called into the office and there you're done. Like you weren't, you're done. Just like that. Just, Just like, like switch. It's like the professional guillotine just dropped, just like that. And and so you're in, you know, you're in the parking lot within 20 minutes with a box of all your stuff from your desk, and it's very bewildering. And um, and so within a week, I'm at the unemployment office. Like there I am. I'm at the unemployment office, and I'm broke, busted. Oh. No severance. No Thoroughly, severance. no severance. Uh, uh, trying to get benefits, okay? Thoroughly humiliated. And then go home later that day, and there's the dismissal story right on the front page of the only paper in the two-station town. So I always explain to folks, it's the double hit. It's, yeah, it's, you, you lost your income, but you also lost your complete identity. As, as a human, mm -hmm. okay? And even though you're just one of a number of senior guys being let go by a company that's opting 
for younger, cheaper talent, which is their right to do, it doesn't make any feel any better. Like it is their company. They can run it the way they want, but Hey, you're not thinking that when all this is happening to you. So I, I share that in that spirit of that's the classic rock bottom story, which is again, why are we here today? Why am I, you know, enjoying the career and all the great things and meeting, you know, great podcasters, best podcaster in the world, Warren Barry. They're, they're, the only one. The only one. Absolutely. The only one. But my point is, is that's the rock bottom story. And I think Warren, all kidding aside with the rock bottom story, it's not what happened. It's always what happened next. It, it really is. Mm. It, and so uh, for me, I got the luckiest break of all. I, I fell into a world I knew nothing about. It was soft skills, business training. It was kind of like a, a Canadian knockoff of Dale Carnegie with a company headquartered out of Mississauga. I'm working with small to medium-sized businesses and I'm discovering that, hey, getting fired, it was a real gift because I'm getting fired up over these new heroes, these new these small to medium-sized business owners that I knew nothing about. And I could just see the struggle they were up against, the real battles they were fighting just to make payroll and keep people happy and all the things that go into running a business. And, oh, they get routinely second-guessed and criticized. And, oh, they get no recognition or acclaim, and yet they're the backbone of the whole economy. Isn't that incredible? And I, and then, and then I, you know, and my signature story uh, was in 2002. And it's still, to this day, the foundation of all the work that I do today. Uh, the signature story is I met a guy, well, and you know the story uh, of Jim Gilbert. And I'm, you know what? Before we jump into that, Garrett, because yeah. I, I want to, I want to put a link here. I want to take, sure. you, I want to take you back, you know. And I said, just you know, you're 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 gauzing out on the east coast, um, and you left the nest. You said you left at a young age, so. Um, take me back into how old were you when you left? And my other question I have for you um, is what took you into broadcasting? What was it that drew you into that? Oh, that's a great question. Yeah. I can't remember the last time anyone's ever asked about that. Yeah, I was, I was 17. I was still 17 years old and I was going to broadcasting school in Toronto at Centennial College in Scarborough, Ontario. I'm walking Young Street and I don't know anyone in town. That was like what? That would have been the fall of 1979. Sam, the record man, was still around back then. <laughs> and you had there. hair. And I had hair. <laughs> yep, yep. And I'm I'm strutting down Young Street. I think I might have had a Van Halen belt buckle back then. <laughs> Who knows? But my point is, is that uh, yeah. I, and I left for uh, and and then I went back home uh, and I because I got a job. Uh, at a very small station in Sussex, New Brunswick, and then headed out west. That seemed to be where the opportunities were. So I was, uh, I was landing in Red Deer as a 20-year-old, and then Calgary. I was, you know, 21, 22 years old. I was, I was pretty young. Yeah. And and um, and broadcasting really came as a result of uh, one of those things. Do you remember when we were in school, and the kids had the choice? Remember the teacher. When we had to do our reports, how many out of a classroom of 30 kids wanted to do the written report versus the oral report? Right. I mean, right. The, so the... 28, 29 kids want to hand in their paper on paper, right? Right. 
and and if, but if you if you had the option to do oral, I was always one of those one or two kids. I'll I'll, I'll stand up in front of a classroom and do it. So way back so, then, as a kid, you had the gift of gab, and uh, to stand up in front of the crowd and put yourself out there. And 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 more than anything, it was. I mean, that comes from my mother, God rest her soul. She was the extrovert. Now, Dad was the athlete. I'm the son of a former pro golfer. I always tell the story, dad was born seven minutes from the first tee at St. Andrews in Scotland, won a bunch of Scottish uh, schoolboy titles, came to Canada, won over 100 tournaments, and he was a hockey, uh, he became a hockey fan and a fan of the Toronto Maple Leafs. <laughs> Bless <laughs> his soul. Oh, God, right. yeah, yeah. Now, he's still alive. Uh, so, uh, bless him, yes. Uh yeah, he fell in love with the Leafs, so Davy Keon and George Armstrong and Johnny Bauer and all those guys when they were Eddie Shack. Eddie Shack. Eddie Shack. Yeah, Eddie Shack. Obviously, God needed an agitator, right? <laughs> yeah, up in right. heaven. And he needed a guy to do a commercial for the pop shop. <laughs> right? Where they're selling nickel pop again up in heaven. But um, yeah, uh, but I was a hockey nut as a kid, and as a kid. Dad said one thing, and this is so important for everyone watching or listening or whatever. Dad said one thing, and he he's not a talkative guy. Dad, my dad's kind of quiet. He said one thing that really stuck because I would be out there like a demon playing road hockey like every day. <laughs> you know, you remember those days? You, like, yeah. you played road hockey as a kid like every day with your friends, but I was always called the play-by-play. I was uh, I was a big Chicago fan, so it was Esposito to, you know, uh, Tony Esposito was the goalie, and then Makita to Hull to Eric Nestorenko to Jerry Korab over to Chico Mackey, they score. <laughs> and my dad said once, says you could do that for a living, and I that stuck. Mm. I think all of us have that story, Warren. I think somewhere along the way something in us as a kid told us what we should be doing with our lives, with our careers. And I think it's tragic, quite frankly, that I, 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 and you see this too. I know you see this in your work. How many 40 and 50 year olds and 60 year olds do you run into Warren? They say, I haven't found my passion. (laughs) Well, no shit, man. (laughs) Like you sold out years ago for a mortgage. I'm sorry. I, I I don't mean to be unkind, but your job is to find out what are you friggin' put here to do, and then go do that. Mm-hmm. And that's in, the, in the my I, humble opinion. Yeah, <laughs> very humble. Yeah. I, uh, no, but I there was a reason I asked you that question, Gare, because you know that I, that I see that when people are successful um, and passionate about the work that they do, when you go back to when they were young. You yeah. can see that play out, and it was either somebody said something to them, or yep. something clicked, or yes. you know there was that spark, and it now was it was up to that individual to actually keep that spark alive, right? Right. You burn the fire, or did they let it? Or did they let it go out? Right. Or did they sell out, take the job selling insurance, and because it was safe and secure, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm not against safety and security. Don't think, but. But there's something, how many times have you seen people, uh, Warren, how many times have you seen people that are feeling corrupt from the inside because they're not living their truth? How many times have you seen that? More times than I'd like to count. And and that is, sadly, the majority of the working population. 
Yes, the uh, the well, I can't sugar and I won't sugarcoat it anymore, Warren, because people don't want to hear that. People listening right now, if we're going to better the pond, I think part of it is we got to acknowledge some pretty harsh realities. And I think that's what the COVID thing has done. And Black Lives Matter, it's helped us all sit back and say, let's get real about a few things here. Hmm. Absolutely. And and I want to thank you for being real and authentic here. That uh, that is something that, you know, um, is admirable. And um, a lot of people, you know, again, they do they like to sugarcoat it because they want to make it they want to make it OK. But OK isn't real. And so there's no pretending it's not OK. Yeah. Like some of the things that have happened to, you know, uh, not to get way off topic into social justice, but some of the things that have happened to our, our, our black friends and neighbors is not OK anymore. It's just sure. not. And 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 for too long, I think we have sat back and said, well, geez, it's I'm not racist. <laughs> right. So it's a so it's not me. I'm not like I'm not contributing to the problem. But, you know, I, I've come to realize that. Wait a second. We can, we need to be, uh, you know, I understand what white privilege really is. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't have, if I'm getting pulled over at night, uh, you know, with a police officer, I don't have to worry. All I, all I know is he, he's just going to look at the license and right. the insurance. And I'm, I, now my job is to talk my way out of the ticket as best <laughs> I can by saying a lot of yes, sir, no, sir. And, and how, how can I help you, sir? And I'm sorry. I was, I think, you know, I got to come up with the most creative. Ex I think the Bachman Turner overdrive was just a little too loud. And that, you know, put the pedal to the metal. I can't help it. The BTO was running wild on this particular drive. But you know what I mean, Warren. I know what you mean. Yeah, exactly. It, we, don't we don't have those concerns, right? Like there's things. That so anyway, I'm just saying that, yeah, this is, I think, as as boomer culture reconciles with the internet and and i and and the values of our youth i think there's going to be a lot of great things coming out uh, just like the 60s in the late 60s we had the civil rights movement well between this pandemic and black lives matter i think there's going to be a lot of changes for the good for the greater good i think the yeah. world's going to be a better place i we, believe that we're gonna we're gonna better the pond gare we're gonna better, we're gonna the, better pond the pond with the world's greatest pondcaster. <laughs> Well, it, think about it. <laughs> when you're the only podcaster out there, legitimately, legitimately, let's give you credit, Ward. I know you. I know you're a humble guy yourself, and you don't want too many pats on your ruffled feathers. But you know that's the point. There is no other podcaster out there, so you must be the best in the world. Well, who's going to argue? Who, who would? <laughs> So I'm going to pull you back on track again, Gary, and, and uh, boy, I tell you, it's gonna, I, I, I got to tighten the rope here a little bit. Oof. So, you know, Gary, I believe that we're all odd ducks. Uh, we're yeah. all misfits. Sure. And Everyone. I want you to tell me about a time um, when, you, when you didn't fit in, um, either positive oh. or negative. Uh, yeah. So, you know, what did, what did you do differently to stand out? Uh, what made you you? And, you know, Gary, I, I want the details. That's a great question. And when I reflect on it, I think my answer is probably going to be very different from everyone else. Because just from the spelling of my first name, I never fit in. Ever. And, and I hated it as a kid. G-A-I-R. So the supply teacher would continually mispronounce the name. 
you're filling out forms and, and they would always screw it up and, and miss. And so you feel as a kid, well, what do you want as a kid? You desperately want to fit in and be like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Right. However, just with your name, right from the get go, the introduction, it, it never like, <laughs> okay. And, and so I never realized for the longest time what a gift it was to have the name and the spelling that was so different. It's actually my dad's middle name. So it's Gaelic in origin. And then it wasn't until my early 40s you know, when I realized as I got into the business world how I had to, and here's maybe something people can actually, as I think about it, I had to make it not about me anymore. Forget my own insecurities, which we all have, my own issues, which we all have, because I think this is the essence of your question. How about I, I become more helpful? And and in the spirit of helpfulness, because people, you know, people don't hear that name. They're not being rude. They're not being ignorant when when they say, "Well, that's really different." No, they're, they're, <laughs> no right? They're not. They they've never heard it. So right. I said, "It's Gare." And then I realized I could use a little bit of, hey, you're on the air with Gare, who used to have hair. <laughs> Once worked with Ric Flair, and that puts the other person at ease, and now it's not about me. Does that make sense, Warren? That does make sense. Yeah, and I think anything about our, and I'm trying to answer the spirit of the question, I think anything about our misfittedness or our odd duckness, whatever... You know, I know you've got a deep background in psychometrics and, uh, and behavioral science, what, whatever that is, which I don't know. I, I think when we make it less about us and instead just try and figure out ways to be helpful, I, I, I think maybe that's something worth thinking about, reflecting on. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and again, you know, and I've said that I, you know, I believe that I believe that we're all odd ducks. And I really believe that was what makes us awesome. And I, and I, not from an egotistical standpoint, right, is just, but it is our way of providing service to others. And it's that unique spin that we have, that you just never know um, how you can spin off into somebody else. And I mean, we've had some great conversations. And there's things that, you know, you come at it from your approach, that's different than mine. And um, instead of trying to push away and saying you're wrong, is I've, you know you learn to appreciate it as a gift, and right. and I think that we all have that. Um, and it's so interesting, you know, just like in in your story, is that as a kid you took it as being, you know, you wanted to you wanted to fit in, but it was like, well, my name was always spelled wrong, and and you know, it became something that was almost a burden, into, yeah. and and you know, and over time became you looked at it and reframed it as a as a gift. Yeah, that's. I think that's the right word, Warren. You just nailed it. It's it. It felt like a burden for, <laughs> for the better part of the formative growing up years, and then, and then, you know, as and I think that's what happens to all of us, right? We tend to do. Hopefully, we tend to get a little older and a little wiser, and 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 the more we actually, the more we ponder those deep thoughts, maybe the more wiser we get. Thank you for playing in the metaphor. <laughs> well, it's always nice to splash around the digital <laughs> pond 
with you. <laughs> and I appreciate your company in the pond as well. You know, you never, you never want to go. Oh, you right now I'm feeling there. like the, I'm feeling like we're like those two chipmunks out of Bugs Bunny. Do you remember the two guys, who, the two chipmunks or whatever that were really polite to each other? No, after you. Oh, indubitably. <laughs> this big love fest going on. Big bromance. It's a, it's spilling a, all over Facebook and YouTube and platforms everywhere. The bromance continues. So, Garrett, can you tell me about a time when someone did something for you yes. that, that left an impact on your life? Totally. Yeah, I can. There's three, actually. I'd love to hear it. There's three specific people. I don't know if they'll ever hear this. But if I think about that, I, I, it doesn't take me long. I can go right away. And it's it's... Part of it is there are specific stories, but more so from a broader perspective. Um, you know, one of my absolute very best friends is a guy named Alan Power that hardly anyone would know. But Alan has been in the hockey business for the better part of 50 years. So he was a scout with the Quebec Junior League for many, many years, worked with the Toronto Maple Leafs, Chicago Blackhawks was one time the general manager of the Moncton Wildcats of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. And Al and I did a sports show together uh, back in Moncton, New Brunswick, called Sports Monday. It was on Monday nights. What and, an odd name. And our friendship really grew from that show because we both had this shared, shall we say, fascination for what makes people tick, what makes them interesting, and and we would bring on sports personalities and 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 get them to share their stories beyond what happened on the rink or on the football field or the baseball diamond, et cetera. And, and we did that for a long time. And and so for me, Al was always and still is the big brother I've never had. He's about 10 years older than I am, runs like 10 miles a day. He he's crazy disciplined, but he's he's quiet, reflective. And, and in my mind, he, he, at different times, would give very specific, if there's one specific thing he did, it would be introducing me to Stephen Covey, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, at a time when part of my world was falling apart. All right? So there's, so Alan's definitely one. Uh, Jim Gilbert, who I mentioned earlier, Jim Gilbert saw in me something I didn't even see in myself, to be honest. And Jim Gilbert, when he and I met in 2002, he had this very small company. He only had five people working for him, him and his wife running this business, um, interchangeable product. They were doing about a million and a half a year. But Jim thought there was something I knew that might help him grow his little business. And Jim and I are the very best of friends. We talk almost uh, every week. Uh, there's not too many, you know, there's not too many stretches in our friendship that way. And uh, Jim, you know, we worked together and, and uh, he was one of my early but definitely most successful clients in my work of, of how do we uh, create a larger than life brand that becomes, shall we say, Warren micro famous, but really changes the game. Mm -hmm. and, and so uh, in 2006, we changed the story. He became Canada's huggable car dealer. <laughs> It's one of the great small business success stories in the entire country. In 2019, 
Jim and his team. He had 38 people working there. They did north of $50 million. He became the largest independent used car dealer in all of Atlantic Canada. Staggering business results. 50 times growth. Oh, for a joke. And it's still growing. And so a lot of my counterintuitive theories around around the power of brand, which is really about perception, reputation, all those things. When you think about it, Warren, the used car business is the worst category on planet Earth when it comes to perception and reputation. And yet we have this proven many times over, millions of times over case study where you can alter perception and reputation through the power of a great story. And basically together, Jim and I work to help him and his company discover, tell, live their own story, which really was a manifestation of me, you know, still thinking like a journalist. I mean, there's a whole, you know, array of stories inside that story, right? Right. So Al, Jim, and of course, a person you know, Dana Zillick. I'm going to, oh, hang on. I'm, before we get to Dana Zillick, I, yes. uh, I have to ask you a question in regard to sure. that. As you said that, that Jim Gilbert saw something in you mm. that you didn't see for yourself. Right. What was that? What did he see that you didn't see? Without actually, Warren, as you asked that, without uh, pandering or playing in the metaphor, he saw that I was a fellow odd duck just like him. Jim is one of the mm. oddest ducks you can imagine, but it was like he found his, you know, he's only a few years older than I am, but he, 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 it's like he found Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. He found, you know, Batman and Robin. Like he found his foil, his creative foil. Because mm. I, I could go with him on his crazy adventures. And likewise, he would go with me on my crazy adventures. And together, our crazy adventures, we still don't know where they're all going, but they're still going. That's the fascinating thing. Isn't it? And, I, you know, and going back to the, the metaphor, Gare, I mean, yeah. two, you know, two odd ducks coming together, flying together. I mean, totally. I, um, what I try to help with companies, right, is to flying in a V, right? We're better together. Yeah. And isn't that interesting that the, the two odd ducks apart – kind of you know struggling yet when you came together you created magic no there is warren truer words were never spoken and if jim's watching this which i hope he does uh, tag him in on the show whatever you got to do like that's the truth is is when it get right down to the core of it when we launched canada's huggable car dealer with radio ads in september of 2006 the radio audience in fredericton new brunswick didn't know what was happening you know, you start talking about a guy and he's calling him the Casanova of customer focus and, you know, the Romeo of roadsters and the McDreamy of drive. And then you're talking about how, you know, stop by at Jim Gilbert's and get your daily dose of Hugtonium designed to improve your love affair with your car and your libido. Hey, there was no one doing ads like that. And to this day, what are we? Huggable as a story and as a brand turns 14 years old in September. What is everybody else in the market doing? What are all the, there's 22 other car dealerships in a hundred kilometer radius. Warren, what are they doing? They're still talking the same old, you know, car language like everybody else is talking about. Better quality, better selection, better service, better value, better prices. It's not about the four wheels and a piece of tin. 
it's it, exactly that's what Jim always felt. It had to be more than four wheels and a piece of tin. Nike's always felt the same way. It's got to be more than just the shoes. Shoes are shoes. Cars are cars. And so with Jim Gilbert, I was able to successfully test a lot of crazy theories to see how they would actually work in terms of actual market results. Not theoretical academia, but instead, this is how we can positively influence human buying behavior in our favor. And and I came at it with a blank slate because I knew nothing about things like business or marketing. I just looked at it through the lens of, well, you know, people, I think, like stories. And they will <laughs> always like stories. Imagine <laughs> that, Warren. But that's interesting, Gary, because, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, um, because it's the point of a lot of this, the, the, the podcast is that it was sort of your, this isn't a word, but I'm making it up, it's like your odd duckness, right, Yeah. of not not fitting in the societal norm, of not fitting into, right. this is what we do, this is the box, this is the rules, yeah. right? It I was, don't care about the, exactly, I yeah. could care less about, like, traditional marketing rules. I honestly don't care. I know the rules. But as soon as I know the rules, then I'm I'm a, I'm the guy that says, you know, go beyond the rules. I, I think Eddie Van Halen once said it, you know, about how you got to understand the rules in order to know how to break them. <laughs> and who knows a few things about breaking a few rules and maybe the odd guitar than Eddie Van Halen and Gary Maxwell. But you never well, I'm, uh, thank thank you for putting me in that company. But you are but that my category. point is is that is that too many people are just dogmatic and following the dogma. And you don't have to, and especially now, look look at us. We're, we're, we're doing all these things and talking about these things in a way that 20th century media would never have allowed us to do. Do you know, my, you're in Regina, Saskatchewan. Was it, well, let me see, 62 CKCK? Is yep. that the? 620. 620 CKCK. How much... Would CKCK uh, on the 620 on the AM dial have charged us to be on this show, to use their airwaves to get this story out in the 20th century? Warren, you'd have been doing you'd have been doing a lot of therapy sessions to pay for this ad right now. Wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's the truth. That is the truth. So I want to uh, let's and let's we can do this a- for free. <laughs> I'll tell you that for free. So um, let's let's pull you back on track. I want to hear. I've been waiting um, for you. I've been sitting here waiting for you, Warren, all through the interview to get this thing on the rails and on track. <laughs> so what I want to hear about Dana Zillick. You were leading Dana Zillick, September two thousand nine. That's we met then, and without getting into all the personal details, uh, Dana Zillick entered the into my world. And and her gift um, is <laughs> how, how can I say this? Because you know we're partners in in business, life, and crime. But what Dana Zillick did for me was because she had no business experience that way. She came from a world of nonprofit. Uh, I, I like to introduce us as hey hey we're both second time arounders if you know what I mean. Uh, um, but uh, Dana basically saw something almost like this lump of clay and with her coaching and influence it it really started to polish 
things. She saw something raw because we met. I was I was delivering a small business presentation in Moncton, New Brunswick, and she happened to be in the back of the room that day. And that's that's the day we met. But the intriguing part was when she talked about this book. And as we developed our friendship, she talked about this book, this book, this book. And I'm thinking, what? What, what's the significance of this book? And she's talking to me about this book, Warren. And I'm, and and three or four conversations, she's still asking me, "Did you did you read the book?" And, and I'm thinking, you know, at the time, I'm thinking, well, geez, uh, if it was really a significant book, I would have already heard about it. I was so wrapped up in my own ego, as we all do from time to time, right? Mm-hmm. We Absolutely. say we're open to learning but not really we just say that for to put that out there right to put this out there on the internet yes i'm a very open to learning person no bullshit we are not <laughs> we, we cling to our own beliefs and and so she's this book and then finally one day i was working on a blog i was at uh the chapters location where there was a starbucks and it was inside one of those chapter stores. And I, I went over and I finally picked it up. Well, first I Googled it and researched, who is this guy? Who's this author? And what's this book? And, and um, <laughs> I couldn't believe what I picked up. Uh, and it was in the non, it was in the, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was, it wasn't nonfiction, which I usually read. Like I read a lot of nonfiction. I read the business books and, mm-hmm. and the biographies and I'm a big fan of history, but there I was standing in the fiction section and I picked up the alchemist by Paulo Coelho. Yes. And Paulo Coelho and the alchemist really had a pretty profound impact on yours. Truly. I've read that probably a dozen times or more since I can pinpoint the moment when I'm, uh, you know, uh, at my home going cover to cover through the alchemist. And so to really understand, uh, I always call it, that's Dana's book. That's her recommendation. I've, I've recommended the book many times over to many different people. But I hope even today, if someone's listening or watching, mm-hmm. that in my view, that's kind of like Dana's book. Because if I've read it a dozen or more times, I'm sure she's read it like a hundred or more times. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those great uh, novels, uh, pieces of fiction as a work of art that has stood the test of time, still more relevant today than ever. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and so I don't want to shortchange in this conversation anyone else from uh a discovering the alchemist but also um going back and revisiting it like you would discover it again for the very first time absolutely um so i have to ask you this question uh Gerd. did because uh dana talked about the book um yes. did did dana see something in you that you also didn't see and therefore made that recommendation um that's a great question. I, I think for the most part, yes. I think that's one of the gifts she brings is that she can see kind of like what the finished product should look like as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, she, she, she very, very quietly under the radar uh, coaches a number of people um, and, and she doesn't want to be front and center so much as 
is just respected for the gifts that she brings and and she's she, in my mind she's she's a treasure she i can't i can't say enough good things uh about all the different quiet subtle ways because it's like anything the more you start to accomplish and the more you start to achieve the harder it is to get to the next level right, right. and so and so that's where I think her her brilliance lies in that she can always look at things and see, well, what's coming next and what needs to happen next. It's interesting. Uh, and just with my interactions with Dana, um, she's got this great ability to see around corners. That would. Yeah. And 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 to see things like the customer would see it. Yes. Right. Like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Like and and. That's I I I I uh, compare her often in terms of her skills to like a record producer. You ever see those movies? So so the Beatles were on one side of the glass, but George Martin was on the other, right? Mm-hmm. ACDC and Def Leppard were on one side of the glass, and 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 Robert John Mutt Lang was on the other. Because Mutt Lang could hear it how the audience needed to hear it on the radio. You know, same with you too, right? Bono and The Edge and Larry Mullen Jr., Adam Clayton are on one side of the glass and there's Brian Eno and Danielle Lanois trying to, you know, figure out what's the sonic scape supposed to sound like. Because the musicians can write the songs, but they can't pick it. They they don't have the audience ears. Right. Yeah. And that's, again, it's, it's, it's seeing what's good, what's needed for the future. It's looking around corners. Right. It's coming at it from that other perspective, which is, uh, which is a real incredible talent. And, uh, and I think that, that, that Dana Zillick is also an odd duck in her own way. Uh, oh, very much so. Because of that. So, so Gary, Especially with her latest fascination. Which is? Oh, he just bit. Does everyone hear or see how the goose just bit on that one? <laughs> I thought, Geese waddled away from temptation, but this goose bit. That was well. There was like grass, like right in front of you. Juicy. It's two words, okay? Two words that really, and you as a as a Canadian uh, from the prairies, what Dana Zillick has discovered in the last, it's been game changing in terms of her odd duckness. It's gone up because just in the last, I can report with authority i would say this is about three weeks old so it's pretty new Mm -hmm. she's discovered there's only two kinds of music country and western country and western you got it (laughs) suddenly the girl who loved bon jovi and u2 and 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 alanis morissette and and i can go on and on and on aerosmith and on and on suddenly is into the chicks garth brooks and brooks and dunn yeah, so she's expanding her horizons. Oh, I think there could be cowboy boots just around the corner. There, there, there might be some boots underneath the bed, Gare. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's all about three chords and the truth. Right, right, right there. There you go. So that's wonderful. And she's a, a wonderful, I mean, she is a wonderful human being. There, there's, that is undeniable. So, Gare, tell me about what are you doing presently? Mm-hmm to better the pond. And I want to know again, what are you doing to better the pond? And the question after that is why are you doing it? Why does it matter? Mm. Yeah, that's a, I mean, I think, 
I, I think that's such a, an interesting question because I think it speaks to on, on multiple levels. So mm -hmm. I, I know professionally what I do to better the pond, right? I, I know that. And, and we have, you know, we've been blessed and so privileged to work with so many clients right across North America, different parts of the world who, who really want to tap into and discover, tell and live their own story, build a brand that hopefully someday becomes irresistible. But I, I look at that as, okay, great, but they're paying us to do that, right? Because you're questionable, but, and, but I do believe that part of our mission, if we help build better brands and better companies with great people, we've made the, the world a better place. So I, I feel very good that, and secure that professionally we're doing everything we can within our means and at our disposal to do exactly that. But I think your question speaks to what do you do away from the business? <laughs> like, what do you do as an individual? And when I think about it, I think my way of bettering the pond uh, is not the way most people would do it, to be honest. And I, I'm, look, and I, I'm all for all the activities that people do in terms of raising money for worthy causes. Like I still think Terry Fox is the greatest Canadian who ever lived, but I, for, for how I work. And I think maybe it has to do Warren with being, I, I was such a public person so early in life mm -hmm. that there's a part of me that really wants privacy and I don't want anyone to know. In fact, I feel very uncomfortable talking about it here. But if you're asking, I'm asking. As the chief interrogator, <laughs> right? Kind of in your best Dan Rather, Mike Wallace, 60 minutes investigative style. Um, no, like, I think what I do to better the pond is I very quietly open doors for others that I think have a gift that, that, that needs to be shared. So without getting too deep into it, I, I notice people, uh, I see that they've got something. I can think of one individual. Okay, uh, just just yesterday, someone reached back and it was like, wow, something really. In other words, um, I'll find someone, come across someone. I think they've really got something that others need to know about or hear. I, I will take it upon myself to make a phone call. And that door will open. That window of opportunity will open. And then that sparks another journey for someone else. I'm, I'm really... Uh, I, I don't know, Warren. I just, like I say, you, you caught me feeling a little... Like, I don't want to talk too much about it. Because what I feel, the best way I better the pond is to do it very quietly and very underwater. True, uh, but I think Garrett, that that, um, and again, it's it, because it, it's not. It doesn't come from ego. Um, I appreciate your 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 honesty and and being a bit vulnerable there. Um, but you know, I'm glad that you said that because from my experience with you, right, you did that exact same thing for me. I phoned you out of the blue. Four, three four years ago right i'm yep. i'm just getting yeah. into tech canada you know i don't i'm i am i am i'm i'm wet behind the ears i don't know what i'm doing right <laughs> and 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 all of a sudden you know like hey hey well why don't we do this and i can help you with that and make you know and you got me into connections to the vistage world i mean all those things and through our through our relationship and our friendship 
that's what you did for me. And, and I see you doing that for others. And I, and, and, you know, you have definitely bettered my pond. My life changed because of you. You left a dent in my life um, because of who you are. And uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. And yeah, you know, on the other business side, that's great. And we're, do, we're doing business, we're helping companies. Sure. That's great. But on a one-to-one level, right, you're having an impact on other people's lives by just, you know, opening, oh, just opening doors. Right. And with respect, Warren, that's where, uh, and again, it, it is a little uncomfortable. It's, it's one of those things where I'm not going to go scream that on Facebook or on, so I just want, I just want it to be tucked away, quiet, and I'd rather do it just one-on-one with, when I see someone uh, like you that I think has got a great skill, not just a skill, but a gift and a real, and something sincere, <laughs> Sincerity is a big part of my deal. And when I see people who are disingenuous, man, it doesn't take very long before I figure that out and I'm, I'm heading in another direction. But people who really do, like you, hey, you could be doing better things than doing this podcast, but you're doing it because you believe in it and you believe in your message, Warren. And more people need to find ways to fly in that V formation. Ever since you explained the metaphor and flying in the V formation, that speaks to me. So that that's, but yeah, to, to answer your question, I mean, that's, that's it. I, I just want it so under the water and off the radar. I'd rather people not know about it. But that's powerful. That's, that, that's powerful, right? It's, it's good because again, it doesn't come from a place of, uh, of ego or attitude or arrogance. It's just because it's true and it's raw and it's real. Um, and that's, uh, to me, that's where, that's where the power is. Well, so, I appreciate that. So I, and, and, I, and, I, and I thank you for that. Um, so here's another question in, in relationship to that, Gare. Um, now again, I'll touchy-feely. Um, why do you do it? That's a, that's a great question. I, I don't know. I, I, I think um, if I really was to get all Freudian and psychoanalyze it, um, I, I think part of it, it, it sort of comes from my mom. I think my, my mom... She had many flaws, but a big heart. And I think, you know, we're all products of our parents in some way, hmm. right? And you're more expert on that than I am. But I, I do think uh, my mother would go out of her way to help someone. And that's kind of, you know, uh, that's kind of where some of that comes from. My dad also, like my, my dad must have taught you know, as I get older, I appreciate my father more because he too was very quiet. But he would, he, I, I know in New Brunswick, back home, he, he's, I'm sure, delivered clinics, golf clinics to well over 5,000 kids. There's so many people that would come up to me and say, oh yeah, I took, I had lessons with your dad. Well, but I would never know. Right? Right. Yeah. Same, same, same. Same. Same, same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and I just want to, just because you're talking with your dad, I just want to bring it up. And, and this is something that I've seen weave through the, the different podcasts and the people that I've interviewed is, you know, going back to the beginning of this is your dad saying, you know, you could do that for a living. Right. And isn't that interesting? You're still doing the same thing. Same thing, but different, but, but different, but essentially really, the same thing. It and it's, it goes back to, I, I didn't know, for instance, I get, I get painted with the brush of professional speaker. Okay. Mm -hmm. But I'm an accident in the industry. I didn't grow up 
wanting to be a professional speaker, wanting to be on a stage. But when the broadcasting thing was winding down and I could see the writing on the wall, a friend of mine brought me out to see a, a speaker. This would have been in the late nineties. It was night, you know, and, and I'm looking in the, from the, I was at the lion's club on lion senior citizens club on St. George street in Moncton, New Brunswick. And I'm sitting in the back of the room and I'm, I'm looking at the, uh, at the speaker up there and I'm, and it was a group of small business owners and I, and I'm looking and I'm going, I don't know what the hell I'd talk about, but I think I could do that. And, and so that was the day when the, the door opened, but for a tiny crack. And, and I think, you know, not just metaphorically, but I think literally, I think doors are opening tiny, tiny cracks every single day. Mm-hmm. And the, the the onus is on whether we as individuals open those doors and see what we can find. Right. I, I really believe that, that, that the, the door opens a tiny crack and then you got to go through. Absolutely. And I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. And there's always, there's always these opportunities are presented, you know, whether you have either the courage, the tenacity, the curiosity to right. see it from the other side. Yeah, Absolutely. So, Garrett, you are the wise goose on the pond. You are the all-knowing, the sage. No, 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 you're no, no. Sage. You're too kind. And, uh, <laughs> and what is what is the what does the future look like? What does your golden pond look like, Garrett, moving forward? Oh, that's is that the legacy question, Warren? <laughs> Was that part of your checklist? I got to ask the legacy question. That's the legacy question. Is it's, it? I want to know your your perspective. On- How many people listening would want to hear the guy bust the interviewer? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I I think for me, um, in terms of the future, I, I'm I'm so committed to the craft of of what I do. Like I really do. I, mm-hmm. I love what I do. I'm I'm I've got a new book coming out that I can't wait for it to be released. It's called Big Little Legends. It's how everyday leaders build irresistible brands. I love, absolutely love the craft of writing the book. Like it's just, to me, that's like my, you know, in my own way, that's that's being Michelangelo working on the Sistine Chapel and making sure it's it's perfect, right? Like that's, I I never get bored with that. Mm-hmm. And I and, and the older I get, the more I, I want to write more. And I I I, I want to learn more about how to do videos better online. I get all these wonderful emails and something dropped in the inbox this morning. Someone saw a video and it really matters or a blog and it, it really touched them. Okay, but I I still want to get better at the craft. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because I, I I think it's like the musician. You you've never you never feel you've written the perfect song. Yeah, exactly. And exactly. You know, so I'm writing my book. Um, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. And it, 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 it is it's an art and it's a craft. Yeah. And, a and so and so I, I guess to answer the legacy question, it's I look at more as and, and you've been very kind, but I look at it more as uh, I still want to be the student. I still want to learn. I like I said earlier, I was listening to Joe Rogan and Billy Corgan. <laughs> I was learning just yeah. listening to that. and and. And my friend Jim Gilbert talks that about talks about that all the time. Always be learning. ABL. Uh, I, I never want to be seen as the guru. I, I want to be seen as the student. I want people to say, 
wow, did you see what he discovered now? Wow, that was interesting. That was different, you know? Mm -hmm. I was in Kelowna, British Columbia. You and I both work with uh, Tech Canada, which is a wonderful organization. Big shout out for Tech Canada on the podcast. But, you know, I was with a group of CEOs in Kelowna and someone said something in the room and, and that sparked a curiosity. And then, and then, and then I said, well, what you're really talking about folks is, is how important it is to build reputational equity and, and every head turned and they wanted to know more. Well, what does reputational equity mean? It really is about goodwill being built over time. And now thanks to the internet, goodwill at scale, Mm -hmm. right? Like we don't know how many people are going to share this and share our conversation. I hope everyone listening right now shares Warren Berry's conversation. Shameless shout out to share Warren Berry stuff. But my point is, Warren, is that reputational equity. And I thought, I got to do a blog on this. Mm -hmm. Right? I still want to learn. And I want to learn more about what that means. And and what does that imply? And and how can that better the pond? Yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and, um, I think that that's you know when you like when you talk about that actually that gets my that gets my mind going for sure into into a new way of, of curiosity and and um, right and when, yeah thank you for that so one other question when you talk about when I look up to your golden pond and looking to the future gear you know let's uh, just, and just briefly well, I want you to share your um, your thoughts and your experience of you know we've had COVID. Um, you know, we've have, you know, we're going to the zoom world, we're going to the, and, you know, and there's the Facebook is growing and right. Where do you see being, being the all being the sage that you are, where do you see this? Where do you see this moving forward Gary? from, um, uh, whether it be a technology, social media sure. um, piece of, of the, what's the next, where's the next, what's the door opening to next? I think, well, I am a bit of a history nerd and I was the kid, the nerdy kid who read big, thick books and I collected them. I just didn't go to the library and bring them back. No, I bought these books. I, 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 big, thick books about generals and admirals and campaigns. And, and I was always fascinated by Churchill and Eisenhower and the sports guys too, Lombardi and, and Gordie Howe, and I, I, I've always had this fascination for history, and I think the real gift of history is that the further back we look, the further forward we can see. So if we look at 2020 as, and it is, 2020 is a crucial global benchmark, global benchmark in history. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think enough people are appreciating that. This is bigger than World War II. World War II was a pretty big deal. You know, when, when, when you look at how close Nazi Germany came to dominating and conquering the entire planet, how that uh, the World War II unleashed, you know, uh, nuclear weapons to finally end it with the surrender of Japan. And then that sparked the Cold War between Canada and or between the United States and the USSR. Canada and the Soviets only got into the Cold War with the 72 Summit series. But I digress. But I'm saying these are major events. Mm-hmm. Not every country in the world was touched by World War II. Think about that more. No matter how many tens of millions of people died, not every con- country was affected. True. You know, there were places on the planet, South America, that yeah. never got touched. Right. Well, guess what? 
the pandemic of 2020, everyone, it doesn't matter from Borneo to Belgium to where else, Warren, <laughs> Iceland, Bucktush, Greenland. to Bucktush, New Brunswick. <laughs> Guess what? We're all in this, right? Yeah. We're all sailing different boats, but we're in the same ocean on this one. Yeah. And so when I look at, to answer your question, in against that framework, against that backdrop, I see where what we're dealing with now in terms of technology mm -hmm. is like dial-up in the late 90s, early 2000s. I think platforms like Zoom, we see ourselves every because every generation has seen itself as advanced. We're advanced now, see, because we got electricity. Look how advanced we are because we have, you know, horseless carriages. See, we're advanced. And I think our generation now, Warren, is no different. We see ourselves as advanced. And yet with the speed of change, the technology you and I are using now we're going to see this within 10 years as so dial up. This is so primitive. This is so like, come on, Zoom. That's what you got. Were you guys using Zoom? <laughs> That's how you did it. <laughs> Remember back in the day? Remember back in the day? Like, really? <laughs> like the rotary phone? Really? <laughs> so, if right? you like, like, honestly, Warren, but that's, you don't need to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Mm -hmm. you, you know? So do you even see where that where that's going, Gear? Um, you know, and one of the, the you know, say like you know, if we were to look back at today and say, Oh my lord, you were using Zoom? Do you like do you remember you know back then? Um yeah. what is AOL? You that <laughs> Warren got mail. <laughs> right? So what do you see? What what does that look like in the future, Gear? Uh, I I I see I don't know exactly what it looks like, but I know it's not going to look the same as it does now. That I'm, I'll bet the farm on that. And I also know that, a, uh, that Carol Dweck did a phenomenal piece of work that equips leaders for the future. I'm more concerned about how leaders respond to the future. And right now, leadership is in crisis. Leadership is reactive. And leadership needs to be thinking differently about all the different implications. And so that being said, uh, Carol Dweck from Stanford wrote a book called Mindset. There's only two mindsets. And she's done the 20-year academic research piece on it, which I think is so valuable. Someone actually did the groundbreaking piece of work. So if alchemist speaks to the right side of the brain, the wanderer, the seeker, mindset from Carol Dweck speaks to facts. <laughs> and and the truth is, you don't have to think back far in your own life to figure out, yeah, the people who were really fixed and entrenched in their thinking never move forward. It's the classic, do you really have 20 years experience or do you have one year experience repeated 20 times? Right. Right. And I think that's what COVID and the pandemic of 2020 is really shining a glaring, unblinking light on is the ones who are going to succeed in the future will have a growth mindset fixed on opportunities, possibilities, willing to learn, willing to jump in and, and get their hands dirty with new technology. They don't know how all the buttons work, but they're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. That's growth mindset. So I, you know, for anyone watching or listening, I highly recommend Carol Dweck and the Alchemist as 
as great places to start in terms of understanding how you put the pieces of your own journey together, you know, and, and because I think being a voracious reader is, is also a good thing right now. This is a great time to be reading. This is a great time. Like you've never been handed a gift like it. Yeah. We've been in, in a way we've been given the gift of time and, totally. um, and, and, you know, and the, the question is, you know, are you planning on using it wisely? That's, exactly. That's a bigger question. So, um, Gary Maxwell, uh, I, I, I'm honored. I want to thank you so much for your time today. This was great. I, uh, I, it's kind of like, I, I feel like the grasshopper is interviewing sensei. Um, so I, I do want to thank you for that. Um, so where do we go to, where do we go to find you? Gare. Oh, I'm the easiest guy to find on the internet, Warren. It's Gare. It goes back to my first name. It's GareMaxwell.com. I've got a very active YouTube channel. Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, my dad did the. My dad discovered a, a few years ago. There's only two of us in Canada with the spelling of my first name. Guy was a place kicker with the Acadia Axeman. Imagine that. <laughs> so I I win on the Google search results without ever having to pay for it simply because my name isn't like Bill Jones. Yeah, you just, you, right? came, you came batteries included. You're right. So it's it's G A I R Maxwell. Um, and, and garemaxwell.com. So I'm really easy to find. And I, I appreciate you mentioning that. I, I, I hope, uh, you know, we can cause a few more ripples as it were, Warren, on, we're, we're gonna, with we this are, podcast. We are going to create ripples in the podcast and I want to put it out there. And here's the shameless plug going back to Gary Maxwell is uh, if there's any, um, small to medium sized business leaders out there listening to this, um, I highly, highly, highly suggest you go and look at Gary's material. Um, about you know branding and marketing and and looking at things from a different perspective because it is a different way and it is a way of the future um, and it gives you the opportunity to really move uh, you know move your business forward um, instead of being stuck in the, in the in the same way things have always been done so um, I I highly respect your work Gare I think it's fabulous you've taught me a ton and you have so much more to teach. Uh, business leaders as well so please check out Gare's work um, and it's timeless that's the beauty of it it's timeless and it's always moving forward so uh, thank you for putting the ripples in the pond uh, as you have Gare well like right back at you Warren uh, let me skip a few stones across that <laughs> pond and all the way from London Ontario to uh, you know the suburbs of uh, Regina Saskatchewan and, and thank you I, I just love it that you've jumped in and and, and and hopefully this podcast really does grow in popularity. World's greatest podcast. No one's taken the title away from Warren Berry on this one. That's right. So there you have it, folks. It was a great time with Gary Maxwell here today. Um, so this is Warren Berry. I'm flocking off uh, to we're going to go beyond the pond to better the pond because we're better together. Thank you, Gary. Thank you, Warren. Well, thanks for landing on the Better the Pond podcast. Do you know someone who should be in our flock? Contact Warren at warren at instinctivesolutions.ca to tell us their story. Until next time, what ripples will you create? Cheers. <laughs>